0: Well, praise the Lord. First of all, I want to point out something real quick. (laughs) That Shane and Shane song that we sing, His Mercy is More, if you notice they quote from Lamentations where the mercies of God are new every morning and great is his faithfulness, I want to point out that that's put in there so that you understand that the judgment of God is good. Amen. (laughs) Amen. The judgment of God is good. And that's why Lamentations, while, while Jeremiah is watching the inhabitants of Israel being carried off into bondage, being carried off into Babylon, okay? And he's sitting at the gate, weeping over Israel, lamenting over their sin, over their stubborn, hard-heartedness, where they would not turn from God. He exclaims, That the Lord's mercies are new every morning. And great is his faithfulness. God's judgment on sin is faithful and good. Amen. But Jeremiah also looked forward to a day when God would bring back Israel. Amen. Looking to the promise ahead. Amen. amazing right 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 and and Israel at any moment could have done just what Jeremiah says right there and turn to the mercy of God repent, call on God amen they're even promised later on when they mess up again and they're taken in captivity again if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven. Amen. The reality is that God is continually waiting for sinners to repent and turn to him. Amen. And that, that song, even though it, it's talking about the mercies of God, that there's so much more than our sin, and that is true. Them quoting that verse always brings to mind to me that the judgment of God is good. Because in the midst of all that judgment that's going on in Lamentations, Jeremiah exclaims that God's mercies are new every morning. And he has great faithfulness. Amen? And in saying that, he's saying that the judgment of God is good. Which leads us right into the chapter we're talking about today in Genesis, amen? Now, I bring that up because, you know, I I don't want people to misunderstand my motives for what I preached this morning. My motives were to encourage people that the church is necessary, that us meeting together is necessary, that us building each other up is necessary, amen? God's corrective action in our life is necessary. That's why we spent a good deal of time on what church discipline is. Amen. Because those things are necessary for growth in a positive direction. Amen. Just like we correct our children. Why? Because we love them and we want them to go the right direction. Right. We're giving them direction in correction. Amen. And God does the same thing with us. He directs us, corrects us. And directs us with the correction. Amen? All right. Well, we're in Genesis chapter 18, and we are going to be reading from verse 22 to the end of the chapter. And I simply titled tonight, Abraham's Interceding, or Abraham Intercedes. Okay? It's very simple, but this is what's happening here. And we're gonna read it, and then I'm gonna read some notes. that are very important on this subject. Okay. Uh, the main point that I want everyone to walk away from tonight. Is the question that Abraham asks. Okay. In verse 20. Uh, well we'll get there. I don't remember what verse it's in. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. I think it's verse twenty-four or twenty-five. Let me read. Da, 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 da. Yes. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is right? Verse 25. And that's the that's the question that we have to ask ourselves. That's the main point of this text. There's a point that's being made in this text, and it could be summed up in Abraham's question of God, okay? Abraham questions God, and he asks him a specific question, okay? So we're going to start at verse 22. So the men turned from there and went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to destroy, or excuse me, far be it from you to do such a thing to put the righteous to death with the wicked so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is right? And the Lord said, If I find in, uh, at Sodom 50 righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Now, I want you to understand this whole place is not just Sodom. It's Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities of the plain that he's talking about, okay? But he's specifying just Sodom because that's where Lot is. Amen? Now, Abraham answered, verse 27, and said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. I am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the fifty righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for the lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five there. Again, he spoke to him and said, Suppose forty are found there. He answered, For the sake of forty, I will not do it. Then he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Suppose there are thirty There, He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. And he said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 are found there. And he answered, For the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. And then he asked again, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak again but this once. Suppose ten are found there. He answered, for the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way when he had finished speaking to Abraham. And Abraham returned to his place. Now, we talked about this chapter already. We kind of summarized it at the end of last uh, Wednesday, I believe it was, okay? when. Uh, no, it was last Sunday night. Last Sunday night, we kind of summarized the end of this very quickly. But I felt it necessary to go back because this question bears us asking this question. Okay? First, I want to talk about uh, Abraham's response. Abraham responds to God revealing... Uh, Abraham's response to God's revelation is probably prompted by his concern for Lot his brother's son although Lot is not mentioned specifically but the main issue for Abraham is god uh, will god destroy the righteous along with the wicked knowing that god must be true to his nature Abraham poses the question shall not the judge of all the earth, do what is right. Now this question is very telling because it's a question that every believer has to ask themselves. Amen? Because this fundamentally goes down to our heart level of where do we trust God? How far are we willing to trust God? Are we willing to trust God with all things? Because If we're not, well, the answer to the question is, well, God is righteous and, you know, he is the judge of all the earth. But does he always do right? You see, because the thought has crept into modern evangelicalism. God made me this way. God wouldn't make a mistake like that. First of all, God didn't make you that way. (laughs) Sin made you that way. And the fact is, you must repent of sin and turn to God. Amen? Or how about this? When you hear what the Bible says and you go, Well, I know that's what the Bible says, but I really feel like it's this way. What you're saying is you don't feel like the judge of the all the earth will do what is right. You're questioning God's motives. You're questioning the fact that God will do what is right. How about this one? This is big in evangelical Christianity right now. Will God really send that many people to hell? And then they start questioning, why would God, who's all-loving and all-knowing and all-powerful, why would a God do that to people? And what they're really saying is, we don't think God is right in what He's doing. What they're saying is, we don't believe that the judge of all the earth is doing rightly. That's That's what they're saying when they say that. And the way Abraham, Abraham asks the question is Abraham isn't laying a charge against God. He's asking a question and he's asking it to God about God's character, knowing that God has saved Abraham even when Abraham has been unfaithful to God. Abraham lied about his wife being his sister Abraham tried his own plan B then Sarah tried her own plan B come on what is what is Abraham sleeping with Hagar other than Abraham not believing that God was going to do what he said with him and Sarah But just like you, just like me, God looked at Abraham's faults and he forgave them because Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him as righteousness. Abraham's righteousness was never on Abraham and who Abraham was. Abraham's uh, righteousness was in the fact that he believed God. Amen. Your righteousness, quit talking. Your righteousness, my righteousness is not our own. It is counted to us by faith. Amen. I want to read another note here from the uh, Reformation Study Bible on this verse, verse 25. The Reformation Heritage Study Bible says this on verse 25. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Abraham interceded for Sodom and Lot by appealing to God's character. He is a righteous judge, as in Exodus 23, verse 7. Deuteronomy 25, verse 1. It is inconceivable that God would treat the righteous the same way that he do, does the wicked for the righteous are justified by faith in his promises Genesis 15 6 we're gonna read that in a moment and walk with him in obedience Genesis 6 9 Genesis 6 22 Genesis 7 1 okay Abraham is appealing to God's character because Abraham understood that his righteousness wasn't in him. His righteousness or what made him upright before God was that he believed God. His faith was the same as our faith. He believed God. It was counted unto him as righteousness. Amen. So when God is, when Abraham is interceding to God, Abraham's looking at God going If there's 45 If there's 30 If there's 20 If there's 10 righteous people And what would it mean by righteous people We know that Abraham was righteous Because what? Because he did the right things Because he always did what was right Because he never doubted God Absolutely not Obviously Abraham doubted God Or he wouldn't have tried plan B And plan B too right? What was the Eleazar was his plan B, right? and and uh oh goodness, Ishmael was Sarah's plan B. Amen? It's plan B because he obviously, Was just like you and I. And had faults and failures and sin. But God did not count Abraham righteous because of Abraham. He counted Abraham righteous because Abraham believed. Amen. By faith Abraham was made righteous. No one has ever been made righteous anywhere in scripture any other way. It is by faith that people were righteous in God's sight from the very beginning. It was never any other way. Did there, was there sacrificial system set up for propitiation, for sins, for types and shadows? Yes, but even David. When, he, when, when David committed adultery with Bathsheba, when he had her husband sent to the front lines and murdered, David was not saved by sacrifices of the law. He went in the temple with dust and ashes and fell on his face and begged of the mercy of God. And God gave him grace. Because David came to God believing that God was the only way he would be forgiven. The only way that he would be made righteous would be by God's faith. God's saving grace. And David's faith in that. Amen. There was no sacrifice made. You don't ever see or hear recorded that he made a sacrifice for those sins. God simply forgave David. Acted in grace to David. This has been fundamentally from the beginning of creation. God has been gracious. Adam and Eve. God covered them. Amen. God did it. Not them. They didn't have anything to do but be forgiven. Just like you and me and Abraham. Amen. So the question here, shall not the judge of all the earth do what is right? And the answer to the question is emphatically yes. The judge of all the earth will do what is right. Amen. Amen. Now, we can talk about the fact that only three people made it out of Sodom, Lot and his two daughters, and people go, oh, yeah, see, there was three righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah. Are you sure about that? Because those three people that were spared ended up living in a cave and having incest with one another and creating babies out of that incestual relationship. Now, if that's what you call righteous, I think me and you have a different interpretation of righteousness. Amen? Now, was Lot saved? Was his daughter saved? Yes, they were. But it was by the mercy of God. Because the, 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 the dialogue here, Abraham starts out and he says, What if there's 50 there, Lord? Would you destroy the whole place for 50 righteous people. Oh no I won't do that. He appeals to God's character and says. Will not the judge of all the earth do what is right? So uh, you know I've, I've I've taken a liberty of myself to come and talk to God. But what if there's 45 and not just 50? What if there's 45? He said I won't destroy it for 45. What if there's 30? I won't destroy it for 30. What if there's 20? I won't destroy it for 20. What if there's 10 will you destroy it? He said, I will not destroy that place if there's ten people righteous in it. The problem is, although Lot and his two daughters got out, the place was destroyed. Amen? The place was leveled. The Sodom, Gomorrah, the cities of the plains were destroyed. And I can give you a real answer of why. Romans 3, there's not one righteous. No, not one. And you cannot make a case that Lot and his daughters got out because they were righteous. Because the very next time you see them, Lot is living in a cave with his two daughters, having an incestual relationship with both of them, and having children. This is not them being saved because they are righteous. They were saved sheerly because of the mercy of God. And I would say, moreover than the mercy of God, but also the promises of God to Abraham, where Abraham and all his house would be under the blessing of God. Lot was under his house. Lot was circumcised when Ishmael and Abraham and all the men of his house was circumcised. It speaks of twofold. Number one, God has always operated in grace towards people who believe, always. Number two, it it tells you emphatically that when God makes His promise, He keeps His end of the promise even though Lot had left Abraham and went to live in the gate at Sodom and stayed there in in all those wicked people. Amen? Because he was attached to Abraham, God showed mercy grace to those he kept covenant with. Period. And that speaks to me in loads and volumes and tonnage that Christ who called me, Christ who, who, who saved me is faithful and will not go back on his promise. Amen. And because I trust Christ, I'm part of that promise that was made thousands of years ago to Abraham. That all the nations of the earth would be blessed in His seed. That those, that we're heirs and joint heirs, with Jesus Christ, uh, we're heirs and join heirs to the promises of Abraham in Christ, because He is that seed that was promised. Amen. And we see that in full effect in God sparing Lot and his daughters. Amen. But the question here is, will you destroy it if there's ten left? No, I won't destroy it if there's ten righteous people. And I think Abraham learned a valuable truth that day that we probably would have learned as well. And that definitely in New Testament terms, we can look back and see... The reason Sodom was destroyed, it'd be the same reason that Coffeyville would be destroyed. It would be the very same reason that this church would be destroyed, is that there's not one righteous person in it except Christ. Amen? And there but for the grace of God go I. Amen? The realities of this statement that God is, Abraham is trying to bargain with God, talking about the righteousness of these people. Is there any that believe? And that's the question that we have to ask because we understand that we're counted righteous by faith, right? If we're counted righteous by faith, what it really entails is that there was no faith in Sodom. They were a city Exactly like the scriptures declare that the the men of Sodom were wicked exceedingly in God's sight. Amen? We're going to discover that when we get into the story of of what these men, these angels, encountered when they come to Sodom. Amen? When the men of Sodom want to take them outside and rape them. Exceedingly wicked. But the reality is this. Though there was none found righteous in Sodom. God was still gracious to Lot and his family. The angels give them instructions. Hey, when we're coming out of here, don't look back. Don't don't try to look back to your sin. Don't try to look back to Sodom. Don't try to look back to the place you're leaving. Just run. Flee. Speaks to how Paul talks about how we're to flee the youthful lusts of the flesh, right? We're to, to run away. We're not to look back. Right? And then we see what Lot's wife did. We're gonna get into that. I don't want to get ahead of myself too far. But all of this shows God's graciousness, even in judgment, okay? Because he surely did judge Sodom and Gomorrah, amen? He brought judgment, and we can answer the question unequivocally, was God's judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah right? Yes, because the judge of all the earth will do what is right, amen? So, in your own life, when things are, uh, when you feel like God is maybe uh, punishing you or God is correcting you or God is giving you a a stern reminder, amen? We can understand. Look, because we ask the question all the time. Uh, Why do bad things happen to good people? The truth of this statement is this. I'm I'm going to let you in on a secret, okay? Bad things never happen to good people because there's no good people. (laughs) That only ever happened one time when bad things happened to a good person and it was Christ. (laughs) Amen. The rest of us are just like Abraham. Now there is one more thing that I want to point out here. Let's, let's open our text back up for a second. I close it like I was done, but I want to point one other thing out. Abraham understands the gulf between man and God. Abraham understands it. Look at what he says in verse 27. Abraham answered and said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. I who am but Dust and ashes. Abraham knew the gulf that spanned he and God. And in Abraham, what Abraham was seeking was understanding why, God, what are you doing? Why do I, what is going on? And that's why I say when Abraham was done with this conversation and God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham had to say, like we did. God must have knew that this, these people were utterly sinful and destroyed them because the judge of all the earth is going to do what is right. And Abraham had to come to the understanding, just like every Christian has to come to the understanding, is that there is not one of us that deserve God's grace. Amen? We don't deserve salvation amen that's the reality because we are dust and ashes and abraham is trying to 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 still intercede for sodom and gomorrah but he wants to do it from a humble position understanding that he's a limited finite dust just a creature from the dust asking an infinitely holy god a question okay so he's doing it very humbly, but he also understands the gulf between him and God. And I think so many times that we forget that when we're really quick to go, Man, why would God do that? Or, Man, why would God do this? And I remember when, when William Coyobe died, my very first thought immediately was, Why did this happen? Why would God do that? Because God's ways are higher than my ways. And so are his thoughts higher than my thoughts. Who can understand them? Who can lay a charge against the Almighty? Who can counsel God? Whatever God does is right. Whatever God does is good. And that's in that moment, I remember sitting there and thinking, God... Had done everything that he ever wanted to do with William Coyote. And that's why William Coyote went home. Because we know that not one of us leaves this planet early or late. It's appointed unto man wants to die. God has set our days and written them down. Knows every one of them. God knows the day that you're going to breathe your last breath. I pray before that day happens you understand who God is. And have a relationship with his son. So that you can do just like every other person of faith. And come to understand that the judge of all the earth will do what is right. Amen. Amen. Because the people outside the church don't see that. They see God as some kind of vengeful, hateful, angry person sitting in heaven just casting judgment out. But it's because they believe they're self-righteous. They believe they're self-undeserving of judgment. That's the paradigm shift that has to come from being an unbeliever to being a believer. Is understanding who God is and who I am and then we can rhetorically ask the question will not the judge of all the earth do what is right amen let's pray father god we give you glory and honor for your for your grace and your mercy that has always been extended to humanity god we thank you that your greatest expression your greatest Uh, 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 appeal to humankind was done in the person and the work of your son Jesus Christ who is the, the 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 epitaph of love the 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 opus of grace and God we ask that you would help us as we share your love and your grace with other people the help us to stay true to who you are God not to deviate from the tough discussions, not to deviate from the unexplainable parts of who you are, God, where you're so massively much higher and wiser and and, and, um, beyond our understanding at times. Let us not shy away from that, God, but embrace the fact that if we could totally comprehend an uncomprehensible God, that he would no longer be God. Lord, we thank you that you are great, and greatly to be praised. Lord, forgive us where we doubt, forgive us where we fail, because we are but dust and ashes. We are feeble creatures of the earth who are in desperate need always of your mercies and your graces. Lord, help us to always, always look to you. Look up to the hills from whence our salvation comes. Lord, help us to keep our eyes on you. I pray, God, that you would build our faith, build this church, and help those who are watching find a church home find a place that they can get plugged into, where they can grow and mature in the things of God, in their understanding of the scriptures, in their walk with Christ, in their service to other people and to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.